Yo, I put it like wow, this that sound These oaks don't work hard like me, I hope they know by now Bail, bail, stand my ground Throw these money trees, go overseas like Percy Tow I'll make sure you stay around, quiet when I'm under loud No negatives allowed, me positivity took a vow I always play to win, don't anticipate loss Mind always in the clown, my boy, never think about the drop Never, ever, ever think about the drop Welcome to it, sports fans. It is the MKT Show. I'm MKT. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Um, podcast is only coming out today because Liverpool played in the League Cup against Fulham yesterday. Cracking game. Cracking game. So whenever there's mid- midweek games, sometimes I'll move the podcast. I don't have to announce it. But I'll move the podcast because what if something crazy happened? Virgil van Dijk kicks a fan in the chest like Eric Cantona got to report on that got to report on that so yeah um, that is why the podcast is only coming out today which is a day late but if you're listening to it any other time why am I telling you this this is why we podcast and it's not radio 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 all right uh, what we're going to talk about today um, Jim Hamilton I saw a tweet that I'm sick of from international rugby um, about why Bok Rugby has a winning form- formula at last. I'm like, what is this guy talking about? Met him at the World Cup, by the way. Yes, that is when I was a pundit at the World Cup final in an Italian tailored suit with a Mauritian cotton shirt, the, the pink shirts, 100% pure Mauritian cotton. Real story, real story. Nobody ever asks about the shirt. Um, all they see is the Italian fabric, but th- that is what it is. Anyway, I'm going to address that. Uh, Jane Sancho, he's back to uh, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, talk about that. And then everyone's telling me Chelsea's in crisis. It's a crisis at Stamford Bridge, they said. Chelsea lost to Middlesbrough, by the way. Six. Uh, they are eighth in um, the championship. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Mid-table um, as things stand. And Chelsea lost. 1-0. And then I got SMSs about how Chelsea on crisis. Then a friend of mine WhatsApp me how Chelsea are are falling apart and nobody cares. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, let's talk about that. Uh, so we'll talk about that. And then I've got a mailbag question, um, which I'll answer. It's one that I don't really address because I'm quite a private person, but <laughs> I had a bit of a conversation with a female listener, which I had to engage with because I can't imagine too many women listen to this podcast. Um, not Not because it's football, but because... I'm a bit of a laddish lad, and I'm guessing, why would women want to listen to this? Or, but, but I don't know what women are doing in 2024. Turns out there are women listening to this podcast. I would imagine this woman is one of three women who listens to the podcast. Anyway, so she asked an interesting question. Uh, we will get to that and finish off with it in the mailbag. MKT inspires, uh, if you'd like to get into the mailbag. Um, otherwise, MKT at the MKT Show. A crazy day in the NFL. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm a big, big NFL fan. Um, three iconic coaches. So I support Alabama. I love college football. Uh, the great Nick Saban retires after six natties, as they call it in America. Uh, Bill Belichick, um, the vaunted, the much vaunted Bill Belichick. Dynasty over. It is the end of an era uh, in New England. He's out. Pete Carroll, 
legendary coach who won at the college and indeed at the NFL level, has now moved to another part of the Seattle Seahawks. That story will unfold. If you're an NFL fan, it is showing our age, but it is the end of an era, certainly the end of an era. The next big announcement, of course, who will be the next New England coach, I think will be interesting, but even as big, Alabama, the Crimson Tide, who will take over from Nick Saban? And remember, in life, you don't want to be the guy, you don't want to be the girl after the guy or after the girl. We saw what happened at Man United. Um, who will be the next manager of Man City? We saw what happened after Jose Mourinho at Chelsea. Um, we saw what happened at Arsenal after the great Arsene Wenger. You don't want to be the guy after the guy. You don't want to be that guy. So we'll see what happens. Alabama, New England Patriots, uh, the dynasties have folded. The great men who've led them to iconic victories have now said, I lay my sword down, all being pushed out the window, by the way. Bill Belichick pushed out the window. It is over there. I believe he will go on to lift uh, a couple more NFL titles just because he is young and he's just like one of those hardcore coaches. I think he's going to be coaching like high school football at the age of 90. If the NFL fires him, he's one of those guys. So I get it. I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, so great great for me, um, obviously, as a Minnesota Vikings fan. So the, the more the other teams are unstable, the better. So I love uh, the Minnesota Vikings are my team. I'll tell the story one day. University, basically, is why I support them. And then I've, I've loved Alabama since Nick Saban. I, I love Nick Saban. I don't know if I'm going to continue supporting Alabama, by the way. You know, I love Nick Saban. Um, I just, I, I love that kind of alpha male leader. Like, I just like that. I gravitate to that. I, I come from a strong sporting background. And also, I'm like a knucklehead. I'm, I'm not like a everyday thinking man. That's not who I am. Uh, like, I'm just, I'm a sports guy. I'm, I'm a football guy. You know, and that is a machismo male environment. And that that is who I am. Like, I don't like to pretend I'm some philosophically enlightened knob like i'm just some guy i'm just i'm just a dude who loves sport and doesn't really know much else outside of that to be completely honest so i love an alpha style leader in life i gravitate towards those kinds of men um and and in sport like i, I love bill belichick i love sir alex ferguson Jose Mourinho. you know for me Probably my favorite coach of all time, I've, I've got to be honest, is Nick Saban. I just love, I, I like the intensity. I like intense people. I like deliberate people. And no one's ever been more intense than Nick Saban because it's what I aspire to be. Like, I want to be brilliant. I want to be brilliant. And I, I don't, I'm not really a romantic in that sense. I'm just like, if you want to be brilliant, just be all in, you know. I'm not like a life balance person. Like, if you want work-life balance, all the best to you. And maybe you're a genius and you can have work-life balance and be the greatest in the world at what you do, you know? But Elon Musk doesn't have work-life balance. And those are the kinds of people I admire for for better or for worse. Nick Saban, all in. Bill Belichick sl slept at the New England Patriots ground. Literally, it is said, till this last day, he would be sleeping there. Even though the guy's got $200 million, he's still sleeping at the office. But that's what it takes at that level. So amazing stuff. Truly, truly amazing stuff. Um, MKT inspires, if you'd like to get the mailbag, as I said. Um, otherwise, 
Thanks for subscribing to the show. Thank you for subscribing to the show. SA20 is underway. I see. Could be fun. Could be fun. Could be fun. Uh, first game rained out uh, in Durban tonight. Ducks with Lewis um, does it for the Super Giants. What a game. What a game. So, listen, since we don't get to watch Test Cricket, I, I, I might as well watch. Like, I'm into cricket. Hey, I like a bit of the crickski. I like cricket. It's fun. The players are here. It's professional. It's a, it's a good advertisement for South Africa. You know, SA20, it, it, it reveals the best side of South Africa to the international market. You know, I can't praise Switzerland and America and these places that I love going to and then whinge when we do it. Like, this is just good advertising for South Africa. Like, I'm a South African. I dig it here. You know? I mean, I could live, I've lived in a couple of places around the world, but I, I like it here. I li- I, we, we got it good. We got it good. Can we keep the lights on? Different story. But, but the SA20 is, is just a fantastic brand for the world to see. Because so no, no, not everywhere is perfect, by the way. Listen, I've just been to France. Uh, they, got some, they got some problems, but they, they show you the nice parts. America is like, I don't know, I'd say 70% cornfields and pretty rural. They don't show you that. They show you New York, California, Atlanta. You know, that's what they show you. They don't show you America. Because you, you, you don't want to see middle America. Uh, trust me, I spent six months in America a couple of years ago. You don't want to see Kansas. You do not, you do not want to be seeing like Cleveland. That that's that that's not what they show you. I know that. Like I say, I was listen. I was in France. You don't want to see the whole of France. They just show you the nice parts of Paris, and that's important to hear. By the way, the nice parts of Paris because there's some armpits in there. But but that's what you do. I work. In, listen, I work in marketing. I understand. Put your base foot forward. So SA twenty. Looking forward to that. Uh, send me a, a a DM if you are going to any of the games. I would love to hear where you live. Obviously, they're happening all around the country. Uh, even if you're in Paul, by the way. They are playing in Paul. The Paul Royals. So, you can get to the games if you want to go have a jawline. Get out there. And also, you know what's nice about T20? It's a jaw. It's a bit of a jaw. Like, as much as I'm a test, like, hardcore. If you're going to go to... If you're going to have a jaw, get out there. Hey? And what's nice about the T20? You can take the lads and the lasses out there. Would would the cricket be a good date? Huh? I don't know. I don't date. I've, I've, I haven't been on a date, and I don't think I've ever been on a real date. Because the way I met my ex girlfriends wasn't in a date setting, and I never took them on a date. I I, I never thought, oh, let's go on a date. <laughs> I like I just I, I don't I don't get the point of dating. Like, I don't get the point of going to restaurants. Like, what are we talking about? What are we yapping about in there? Well, the one I don't get, why do people go to movies? What are we doing at the movies? Listen, if you're with your partner already, and obviously it's an engagement point, I get it. It's nice to dress up, you go out. I I get the performative function of romance. Like, whatever, that's fine. Like, advertisers and movies and Hollywood have sold us a narrative of what it it means to be romantic. like, Like, whatever. So I get it if you're with a partner and you guys are like three years in. What am I doing the second time I've met you, taking you to the movies? 
what am I going to learn about you at the movies? Is your popcorn chewing technique? Like, oh, she chews her popcorn softly. What are we, what are people doing? What are we doing? Are we doing the pretend handhold? <laughs> Explain to me why people go to dinner and movies as a, as a date. My friend who just got engaged had the best one. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm a mountain person, right? So my happiest place, I won't, like, I love working, but I love the mountains. Like, if, I, if I'm not here, I want to be in the mountains. That's what I want to be doing. I want to be hiking, trail running, camping. I love that. I love alpine. Maybe it's because my grandfather was Khoisan. I, I don't know if people know that, but my grandfather was, and I don't mean pretend, pretend. He was like Khoisan, Khoisan on my, on my dad's side. So, you know, I don't get it. Hit me up in the DMs. And by the way, I'm, you would be teaching me because I've, now that I think about it, I've never actually been on a date. Like where I've asked a girl, hey, let's go out. I met my first girlfriend at, a, at Tiffendel, which is a ski resort in South Africa. And then my second girlfriend I met, you won't believe this. I met her at the Large Hedron Collider. So that is a super collider on the Swiss-Italian border when I was data capturing there. But story for a different time. And then before that, I just meet people at like, I don't know, parties. Um, you know, when I played football, it was, I mean, that was, for lack of a better term, a bit of a meat market. I can meet them anywhere, really. Um, and at parties, you know. And and back then, I was I was not interested in... Uh, in the benefits of dating. Let's just say that. Let's just say that. And now I just I work in a lifestyle space, so I'm constantly meeting people. You know. But but now I want to meet less people. Like, you know, I've had a good time. I, I'm not Casanova, but I've met enough women in my time. I kind of I, I'm a little more filtery now. I'm a little more plus I don't drink anymore, so can't can't really get away with it, you know. Stop drinking from what ten years ago. I'm, I'm what you might call a little selective now. The mailbag question is related to that. So, you know, don't know how that came up. Little digression there, but let's get into the show. Um, Jim Hamilton, um, he's very funny. I, I met him in real life. He's massive, by the way. He's massive. I met him at the World Cup in Paris when the Springboks won their fourth trophy, which is the William Weber Ellis, which nobody else has, by the way. They Three and four are massively different. New Zealand has three. We've got four. A huge difference. The difference between three and four is hysterical. The Grand Canyon, people are saying. That, that, that is the gap there. But Jim Hamilton says, Bok Rugby is winning because all of their players are playing around the world. I'm like, no, 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 no. No. So he said this on uh, X, formerly Twitter. Um, he says... It's a good model to let your players play around the world. I mean, I'm not quoting the tweet exactly, but he, essentially he's suggesting because the Springboks are letting their players play around the world, it's a winning formula. No, 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 no. Pull it back there, money. Pull it back. That's not the reason the Springboks are winning. I tell everybody this all the time, but let me tell you the story again. So I played first team rugby here, two years, you know, Hilton College, no big deal. No big deal. Two years. Starting, by the way. Like, not, not like, oh, I'm in stand nine. Coming off the bench. No, no, no. Athlete. This guy here. 
And in our year, we were top 10. So, I mean, we had a really, really good team. We had incredible athletes. <laughs> I was one of the worst players in the team. Um, but <laughs> my inside center was a guy who played fly half for SA schools in standard nine as the fly half, by the way. He was the fly half for the SA schools rugby team. When he was in standard nine, I was the fly off. He was the inside center. Preston Momsen, look him up. Incredible player. Played played for Scotland, that guy. Cricket. This is how good he is. Uh, by the way, Preston Momsen, not just SA schools rugby, SA schools cricket. No big deal. One of the greatest sportsmen South African school sports have ever seen. People say Herschel Gibbs. I say Preston Momsen. Are you kidding me? Just at school level. I mean, Herschel Gibbs obviously took it to a whole other level uh, by being one of the greatest protea batsmen of all time. People say A.B. de Villiers. I'm like, I don't know. I like, I like A.B. I don't know if A.B. I mean, he was, what, first team... He was first team rugby and first team hockey, I think, um, A.B. Yeah? And then obviously cricket. But Preston Momsen, about as impressive as it gets. S.A. schools. Rugby and cricket, that guy. And we had... <laughs> plus, plus we had Keegan Africa, by the way. In that same, well, he, he was uh, doing like a post trick, but incredible. Anywho, that year, that was Brad Barrett in my year. So it was a good year. Kersney was sixth in the country. They were, they were real that year. But the reason the Springboks are good is that you've got to survive high school rugby. You've got to survive the Paul schools. You've got to survive that institution, the greatest sporting institution in the world in Bloemfontein. You've got to survive Monument. You've got to survive Afis. You've got to survive Waterkloof. You've got to survive all of the Midland schools. You've got to survive uh, Parktown, Cares, Jeppy. Like, these are all institutions, whether you like it or not. I haven't even gotten to help Makar and some of these small Afrikaans schools that are starting. The Goebokafal, the, the sort of Boiland uh, Landbow and those guys, what they're starting to produce. Forget those guys. Forget Bishops. Forget Rondebosch. Forget, forget those guys. Just the Paul schools and that institution in the middle of the country in the Freistadt. Forget about them. If you know, you know. I mean, they're the mandate. That's the greatest sporting institution of all time. Forget those guys. Right? Just, just relax for a minute with those guys. Like, just, just chill. Just come to Job St. John's. St. Stidians. These are the weakest schools in the country. Parktown. JP. Monas, Monument. These are the weakest schools in the country. Then you go to Durban, you say Westville. These are some of the, the English, listen, if you went to an English school, you know, like we, we participate in rugby. What those Afrikaans boys are doing, they're, they're, they, they play rugby, we participate, we're making sure that there's a fixture. There's a, we fill out the fixtures. I'm telling you the worst of our rugby schools. I'm telling you the worst of our rugby schools. And then you start to talk about Afis. Then you say Grey Bloom, Paul Him, Paul Boyce, Paul Russ. Now, th- these are the guys you have to survive just to get into the first team, just to get into the baby box era. Guys, I went and I played. So I, I did an exchange year or an exchange six months, right, at Eton. For those who don't know, that's in the United Kingdom. So only because there's a brotherhood between the school I went to and that school. 
when I got there, I looked like Christian Cullen compared to the athletes. I was like, what are these guys doing? Like, what is going on here? Like, I'm playing rugby here, and I feel like, uh, what's cutting you? And I'm talking 2004 here, guys. I'm not talking like 1999 before rugby went proper. Like, they had, they had decent training conditions. But, I mean, it's probably the wealthiest school in the world, right? We're talking about, like, every single... Listen, let me tell you what kind of school this is. Prince Harry was there when I was there. Like, the, that's the kind of school I was in, right? And rugby is, like, it's a thing for the posh boys. But I got there, and I'm like, what is going on here? Like, you guys couldn't survive where I'm from. And we've, we're rubbish. Within the South African landscape, I mean, I'm biased to my school, but let's keep it real here. Let's keep it real. I mean, produced uh, Bob Skinstad and Gary Teichman, no big deal. Mike Proctor, maybe you've heard of these names, you know what I'm saying? But let's keep it real. Like, no, nobody thinks rugby, Hilton College. No one thinks rugby, Kersney. Those schools, uh, the English schools must relax. There's five or six places in this country. And now you're starting to see these colored boys coming out from the Goa fault. You're seeing what time it is. You're seeing what Borland is now producing. You see, I didn't even say Grey High, by the way. Dale. I, I, like, I didn't mention those guys. You see what those guys are starting to produce. You're seeing, we're seeing it. The reason South African rugby wins is not because the players are going overseas. Somebody stop Jim Hamilton and stop this narrative. It's nonsense. It's because from the age of 14, you don't, you don't, you don't emerge. You don't enjoy South African schoolboy rugby. You survive it. Our players, by the time they get to be 18 years old, are ready-made men because they have been through the valley of death, right? The shadow of the valley of death, they've traversed it and they come out as the devil spawn on the other side. That's why CJ Stunder can go to Ireland and Ireland go, oh my goodness, we found a monster at Blindside Flat. CJ Stunder wouldn't even have gotten to the fourth Bok team as a flag. He wouldn't have gotten into the fourth team in his era. That we've just come out of. He, he left. No one cared. And from what I hear, CJ Stunder is a top level guy. In Ireland, he played 100 tests. He doesn't get 10 tests here. In his dreams. In a box jersey. In his dreams. He's nowhere near. CJ Stunder is nowhere near what Warren Whiteley was as a rugby player. Warren Whiteley could barely get 20 tests. Peak, peak Warren Whiteley. I'm not talking about Warren Whiteley when the injuries came. I'm talking peak. Luke Watson couldn't even get in the team, guys. CJ Stunder was not getting in this team. But they go there, and people think these are the greatest things of all time. Like, no, Chief, we, we've, got, we've got 10 people better than CJ Stunder that can't even get into the bull setup. Adrian Strauss can't, couldn't get in the Bok team. Adrian Strauss, if he'd played for Ireland, has 100 tests. He's their greatest. I love Keith Woods. You put Adrian Strauss in an Ireland jersey, he's their greatest player of all time in the hooker position. I mean, they would they probably say what Ronan O'Gara, Brian O'Driscoll, probably Brian O'Driscoll is what they'd argue is their best player, but Paul O'Connell. But you put Adrian Strauss, you take him there 
if you didn't see Bismarck Duplessis that year, Adrian Strauss, Flip van der Merwe, that that squad that went from <laughs> Flip van der Merwe and those guys were the bad boys that went. It'll it'll never happen again. But they went from standard six to matric. Didn't lose a single rugby game. If you are not South African, by the way, I've, in order back then rugby was rugby. Now it's gone soft. Rugby's soft now. I, I, I love schoolboy rugby, but it's gone soft. Those guys were real. <laughs> when, when Bismarck Duplessis, Luke Watson, when, when the rivalries were real. Flip van der Merwe and those guys went from grade 8 to matric when rugby was rugby, when Afis was Afis. Guys like Hercules Fenta were playing at Monas. We remember these days. Paul Ruiz, Paul Chim, well, those guys were real. It was real times. It was real times when Jean de Villiers was doing madness out there at Paul Chim. Guys, there was a guy, oh my goodness. There was a time when Afis, I will never forget watching. Rest in peace. Oh my goodness. Francois Swart, he was, the ball was being delivered to him by the greatest scrum half to ever play rugby. The greatest scrum half to ever Play rugby for a prayer. That was the 9-10 combo back then. Oh. Oh. That was schoolboy level. And that was everywhere. That was everywhere. And even those guys. Francois Sartre. With. By the way. By the way. With Fury de prayer. They, they, they didn't want to see Grey Bloom back then. Nobody wanted to see Grey Bloom back Last year. I was working with um, Supersport Schools. In the one interview, the Grey Bloom captain, I forget what the young man's name was, they asked him, uh, what would be a good season this year? And he said, no, we have to go undefeated. But, but he wasn't saying it as though, like, oh, there's some pressure on us. Like, if we don't go undefeated, it's a disaster. No, There is no other sporting institution in the world, in the whole entire world, that can say that. And mean it. In the most competitive rugby environment in the world. South Africa could send, realistically, I would say, seven or eight schools when they play their A-team. Because we know what happened when Grey Bloom sent a couple of years ago. We saw what happened. Grey Bloom sent uh, their under-16s and came second at the World Championship. When everyone brought their... You, you remember when the New Zealand teams brought their thing? They were, they were making the compilations... Greybloom sent their under-16s that hadn't, that hadn't even played first team yet. They sent their under-16s, and that under-16 team came second at the World Champs. Because, you know, if they sent their, them boy dogs. <laughs> Uh-oh. But dear Jim Hamilton, it's not because we're letting our rugby players go and play overseas. We were winning before that. We won in 95. We won in 2007 before rugby went global. So we, the, the secret is be bred in South Africa. That's the secret. If you come through the South African schoolboy rugby system from the age of 14 till 18, you will be a, a better rugby player than anything else anywhere can produce. I'm telling you now. That's why. Go and look at France. Go and look at England. Go and look at Ireland. Who, who, who has the most rugby players in those spaces? Go and look at Japan. It's littered with South Africans and they are the stars. You know why? Because by the time they get there, it's easy. I know for everyone they think South Africans are so tough. 
For South African rugby players, by the time they go and play international rugby, it's a field day out. You, you go ask these poor risk guys. I remember speaking to Grey Blum guys. When we played Grey Blum, they had Francois Stein um, in his grade 11 year. He kicked, a, he kicked a kick. He kicked a drop kick from 60 meters against us. It was one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen. But I remember speaking to those guys after the game. And they all said the same thing to me. Because so one thing you don't by the way, if you're not in that system, so how it works when you tour is they host you. So you, you get a host family. Um so if you're in the first team, you you get hosted by another first team player's family. Not everybody gets hosted, but uh your under sixteen A's, fifteen A's right down, and first team guys, you get hosted by family. So those guys said, No, no, no. Our practices are so hard. The hardest games they played was first team versus second team at Grey Bloom, is what they say. So when they come and play games against us, they're laughing. They're laughing. So when South African teams play, Paul Hum, Paul Roos, when these guys play each other, by the time they go and face, outside of maybe some of these all-black generations, but when they go and play England and France and all these guys, you're laughing. Jim Hamilton and these guys are laughing. It's because it's very difficult to explain to them what it's like in the cauldron. I mean, you've got to remember, at the age of 16, I was playing in front of 12, 13,000 people. The Midlands derby, when it's on, is like a Premier League game in England, right? And by that, I mean Premier League rugby. They don't get 13,000 fans for that. No, nowhere in the world gets 10, 15,000 people. If you have not been to watch Palkham, right? The Paul Derby. Paul Boys. Palkham. Right? Paul Rus, Palkham. If you have not been to go and watch that live, just go to Paul. If you're a sports fan, just one year. Just one year. If you're a rugby fan, take you and your boys, you and the ladies. If you're a rugby fan, take your lady. Because. One thing Afrikaans people do is they do things right. They don't muck around. I urge you one year, if you're a South African, in fact, if you're an international sportsman, I urge you one year, go and watch Paul Him, Paul Boys. Just do it for yourself one year. Take the whole weekend. Arrive on the Thursday. Because it's not, it's not just a Saturday thing. Arrive on the Thursday and go and see... Go and see what South African rugby does to these young men from the age of 14. Because let me tell you something else, by the way. Doesn't matter what school you went to. From 14 years old, if you had a real institution, you don't want to be the team that loses. If you had Paul, like I remember back in the day, you don't want to be the 14 A's, 14 B's. At those schools, the under 16 C's, under 14 F's are under pressure. You don't want to be the, the team. That comes from Grey Bloom, Paul Ruiz, Afis, Vartukliff. You, you don't want to be that team. At the assembly, they go, uh, the only team that lost was under 14F. That stuff matters down there. And in Afrikaans schools, it matters a little more. There's six to eight institutions in this country where rugby is about as professional as it gets from 14. They don't want, they don't want to hear it. At those Afrikaans schools, you come here, you get an education, and then the most important thing is our rugby team. Second to education at Afrikaans schools is the first team rugby team.
And everything is pointing towards creating a winning first team rugby team. And if you want to be a part of that, you've got to have a, a culture of excellence from the under 14Fs. And there's six to eight institutions in this country, unlike any other country in the world, that are amateur children that behave like professionals. Jim Hamilton, that's why we win here. That's why the Springboks are them boy dogs. Love to hear your thoughts. MKT inspires. Why are the Springboks so successful? Would love to hear your thoughts. Um, moving on, if you're a Man United fan, if you're a fan of the show, in 2019, um, COVID, I remember Jaden Sancho going for a haircut and in COVID. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, this is a terrible thing. And you know what? It wasn't about the haircut. And people always say, oh, do you want sportsmen to live like robots? I say, yes, I do. Y- yes, I do. Absolutely. I do, want my, I do want my professional sportsmen being robots. I don't, I, don't, I don't care about them enjoying their lives. You're getting paid £10 million a year. Sacrifice for eight months of the year. You've got your holidays. By the way, sportsmen and women have holidays. People are, people are so nice to millionaires. It's unbelievable. Like People give a break to millionaires that they'll never give to themselves and their fellow man and the man under the bridge. I, I just don't get it. I do like When I watch sportsmen and women, I do not feel sorry for them ever. Stop telling me about pressure. They are not under pressure. Cut the nonsense. But I remember Jaden Sancho, right, getting a haircut in lockdown. And it wasn't that he got a haircut in lockdown. I thought, oh, this guy doesn't like the rules. He thinks he's above the rules. But here's the thing. When you get paid that much money, right, you're actually paid to live to a higher standard. And ideally what you want at that level, your winning players, your winning people, is they must hold themselves to a higher standard. So when James Sancho got caught for having a haircut twice in lockdown in Germany, what he was showing me was he thinks he's better than his fellow man. It's not about whether you agree with vaccines or not. That's not my point. In a time when you have to stick to rules, you want, your, you want those that are best rewarded to stick to the rules. Because if anyone's doing it most comfortably, it's rich people in incredible housing. I, I can't imagine Jane Sancho is living in a matchbox. But what he was showing me was, oh no, I'm better than the rules. And I'm the mandem. The rules don't apply to me. They apply to everyone else. It's kind, of, it's kind of what I don't really, and I really like the player. It's what I don't fancy about Jack Grealish. And it's why I think Jack Grealish is, is leaving a lot of his talent on the table. Because he doesn't take it as seriously as everyone else. He's just a freakish talent. He's, he's got poor Gascoigne level talent. But Jaden Sancho was always going to be a disaster. And it came as no surprise to hear Nemanja Matic a couple of um, months ago come out in an interview and say he was always late for practice. And then it came out he'd been fined multiple times in the Bundesliga by Borussia Dortmund. You know, it made no sense to me. Why are Man United the only team that are in for him? Why did Man City let him go if he's so good? Because Man City don't really let go. Man City are a little bit like Real Madrid right now. They don't really let go of the real talent. They'll let go of like, Cole Palmer's very, very good. But he's not Bernardo Silva, you know? Like Bernardo Silva tried to leave and they said, no, 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 my man. (laughs) Relax here. How many zeros do we need to add? 
You know what I mean? Like they don't let go when the like Phil Foden. There was some talk of he's not getting enough playtime. Uh, I remember reading a couple of years ago, and he was about to leave. And Pep Guardiola said, "Relax, here, chief." <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! I like Cole Palmer, but he's not Phil Foden, right? Like they can let him go. Like okay, see ya. But Man City's not letting go of Jane Sancho if he's that guy. But then it came out, he's had those lateness habits since then. Because it's come out from Man City as well, that he was always late. So it's like, oh, okay. Here's the thing about Man United. I said it at the time. If you watch the show in 2020, when they signed him. You know, 1920, whenever it was. I said they're going to hate this because he is who he is. Money doesn't change people, especially for men. It only makes you more of who you are. So Man United were buying talent and not character. And obviously you've got to have the talent. Like, But then when you're talented, when you're Bernardo Silva, I need you. When you're Kevin De Bruyne, I need you to have a sense of being. The wherewithal to go, I've got so much privilege. I need to behave up to this privilege. That's what makes these great ones great. You never hear from Kevin De Bruyne. Like, what's that guy up to? Vinicius Jr., well, what's he up to? I never hear from him. Hey, you, you never hear from Kylian Mbappe's personal life. You don't. You're like, obviously, he's a bit troublesome in terms of the contract stuff, but you, you never... Kylian Mbappe is not late. What, what are we talking about? Lionel Messi, never heard that. Vincent Company, you never heard late. Nemanja Matic, Nemanja Vidic, Roy Keane, never heard late. Late? What are we? What are we talking about late? But when it becomes repeated behavior, it becomes your character. And that's all character is: repeated behavior. And Jaden Sancho had been that forever. And let me tell you something: society will abide good-looking, talented people, their whims. All right. But let me tell you something. My father used to tell me this all the time. He said, every single workplace will tolerate you until they can replace you. I will never forget my father trying to drill this into me. And I didn't listen. I want to be honest. There's a lot of stuff I say on the show that my father used to say to me. My, my, my father's a super disciplinary. He's not a shouter, but he's a super disciplinary. He's the most disciplined person I've ever met in my life. And he used to say, the thing about places, they will tolerate you until they can replace you. And he said, everything in life, everything in life is production tolerance. And tolerance will never exceed production. So Jaden Sancho, it was fine when you were at uh, Borussia Dortmund. That's why they tolerated it. And then you got to the big boy league. Now everyone's as good as you. What makes Cristiano Ronaldo and Leo Messi and these guys exceptional isn't just the talent. It's the fact, it's the fact that they're the hardest working players in the team. Kevin De Bruyne, hardest working player on the team. Erling Braut Haaland, you never hear anything from his personal life. The thing about being a winning player is you've got to be a football guy. You, you, you can't have anything else in your life. 
Football can't be the most, the second most important thing in your life. And to Jaden Sancho, he's the mandem, right? Which is fine, by the way. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being the mandem. But then go play at Crystal Palace. Because then you can hang out with Zaha and, and guys at that level. Like, Jaden Sancho is not Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish can be the mandem. But he's got the talent. And it'll probably cut Jack Grealish's career short. And it's probably why he was at Aston Villa so long. But eventually it was like, my God, this guy's just too good. And he's just too commercially viable within the British market. Jack Grealish is just too good to not have him at Man City. Because he's a serious difference maker. He's a serious world-class player. right? And Jack Grealish can get away with it because the talent is at an all-time. Jack Grealish is the most talented player in this English generation. By a mile. I'm not even hearing it. I like Harry Kane. Harry Kane couldn't lace Jack Grealish's boots. There's nobody like Jack, Jack Grealish. I haven't seen an English player since Paul Gascoigne. Like Grealish, just natural ability. It, it, it doesn't feel like you can coach what Grealish has. And then he played in academy football. And then he's got the physique. There's nothing Jack Grealish can't do that Gaza couldn't do. And there, there's, there's nothing Jack Grealish can't do that any midfielder in the world can do. He can run, he can pass, he can finish. He's powerful on the ball. He's responsible. And now he's added the Pep Guardiola, like, efficiency to his game. Like, it took Grealish a while, right? First season, ugh. Because, you know, he likes to drop a shoulder. But now, his decision-making is on point. But Grealish can get away with it. His talent's at that level. My man, James Sancho is not. Nowhere near it. And what's, what's incredible about Man United is that they're disappointed. Man United fans are disappointed. I'm like, what are you disappointed about? I've always said to people, if you meet a girl at a nightclub and she's wild, you're not allowed to be upset with her three years later for wanting to drink on a Sunday night and being unruly. That's what you, that's what you asked for. Jaden Sancho was, had poor discipline before he came to Man United. And when you pay men, you affirm their behavior. You knew. And this was inevitable. You made the same mistake with Di Maria, the same one with Pogba, and they've done it again. The same one with Martial. Like Martial's just an unpleasant, sulky dude. And I'm not talking just about his body language. It's now been reported. He's just a sour, unpleasant dude. Sorry. Gotta go. Ravel Morrison, same thing. People are who they are. Tell you what my dad used to say to me. People will always... Show you who they are. Believe them the first time. Should have done that with Jaden Sancho. I'm not surprised at all. Um, and I'm not sad. Like, I feel nothing for Jaden Sancho. He's a millionaire. Listen, take it from somebody who pissed away a football opportunity at 18, at really between 18 and 24. Right? Nobody should feel sorry for me. It was my fault. I don't feel sorry for millionaires. Like, whatever. I, I feel nothing for Jaden Sancho. He will never get an opportunity. He was at the biggest sporting institution in the world, and he blew it. Listen, he took three months off in the season. They were brilliant with him at Man United. I don't know what his mental health challenges are. I don't know what happened there. But I'm sorry, you, you're not allowed to be late. One of the most disgusting things in the world for me in my life is when people are late. Those who know me know I cannot tolerate lateness. I, I, I find it despicable. 
I find lateness despicable because all it tells me is you don't respect yourself. And if you can't respect yourself, it is impossible to respect me. I cannot tolerate people that are late. I just, it, it turns my stomach. It turns my stomach when people are late. Oh, sorry, traffic. Like, what? You didn't know there was traffic. Uh, traffic didn't start yesterday, you numb nuts. Jaden Sancho doesn't respect himself. It's got nothing to do with Dortmund or Man United. He doesn't take himself seriously. People that are late don't take themselves seriously. You can't be late and call yourself a high-level person. You can't. It's low-level behavior. And he showed you in COVID. He showed you now. And he was... I mean, Nemanja Matic, look it up. Look, look up Matic's interview about Jaden Sancho. There's a reason you don't hear anything from Liverpool, from Man City, from Man United under Fergie, from Chelsea in the last 15 years. Read Matic's interview about what it was like at Chelsea versus Man United. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Jaden Sancho, what a loser. What a loser, dude. Take it from somebody who was a loser themselves. What a loser. You're getting £400,000 a week, it's been reported. And all you have to do is show up. The biggest loser move was tweeting, being unhappy with Eric Ten Hag's comments. What a loser, dude. You're at Manchester United. He will never get an opportunity like this ever again. And he's 23 years old. He's ruined his life at 23. Listen, he might come back and play Everton, Tottenham. That's probably the highest level. But he'll never know. Chelsea won't touch him. Arsenal won't touch him. Like maybe, P, you know, PSG. He's a bit of the mandem, so he, he can go there. Because he is quite cool on social media. Saudi Arabia. And listen, if he's just about the money, no worries. But he's, he, he can't become a great player. He, he does not have the talent to behave like this. And he is what he is now, by the way. He is not changing. Like, he's very, very wealthy. He is not changing now. It's very difficult to get wealthy people to change. It's very difficult to access wealthy people and tell them, mm, have you thought about... What are you going to tell him? Because he's going to tell... He's, in fact, he doesn't need to tell you. He's shown you what he thinks. I know what I'm doing. Nobody can tell me what to do. He'll regret it in 10 years. And then it's boring anyway. Who cares? I tell people all the time, and I tell young people all the time about sport. They don't pay you for talent. They pay you for unique maturity. Erling, Erling Braut Haaland is uniquely mature. That's why he earns half a, half a million pounds a year. Forget the talent. Though of course he's talented. Like We know that. We know what it takes to play at Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal, and, and these great institutions. Liverpool right now. Real Madrid. Vinicius Jr. is earning half a million pounds a year. Kylian Bupp is earning a million, a million pounds a year. I mean, a month. Sorry. You know why he's earning that? Or a million pounds a week is what uh, Bupp is being uh, reported. He's uniquely mature. He's at work. He's at work on time. He goes to work. He doesn't tweet out against his club and manager. That's the reason. Kevin De Bruyne is on half a million pounds a week. Because he doesn't tweet out against his club. He goes to work. Go to work. 
Stop whinging. You don't get to whinge at that level. I'm sorry. The amount of whinging we're allowing, that's Jane Sancho generation. And we say that. These athletes are better than ever. They're, they're under media scrutiny more than ever. It's, it's probably the toughest time to be a, a human being as a sportsman. But get on with it because it's the best time financially as well. To whom much is given, much is expected. I, I do not, I, what I do not want to hear is what I've been hearing in the last five years is empathy for millionaires. Do me a favor. Life's hard for everybody. Jaden Sancho, do me a favor. If he does have mental health challenges, get on with it then. Like, there are people who work for 500 pounds a month who have mental health challenges. So you're not unique in that sense. I'm not going to pull it back because he might have mental health challenges. Like, oh, okay, welcome to real life. Plus, you have all the resources in the world to deal with it. Deal with it then. Like, life's hard. Oh, oh my God. Breaking news to millionaire Jaden Sancho. His life's the only hard life in the world. Do me a favor, please. These people who win, it doesn't matter to me whether you're poor or rich. Everyone's life is hard. Everyone has something going on. The mom's sick. My dad's, I don't know, traumatic like everyone's got something going on don't feel sorry for millionaires don't do not if you do don't there we go if you've been feeling sorry for millionaires don't don't worry about it he's fine he's a millionaire however Jaden Sancho's life is going is how he wants it to go because he has all the options in the world right and he may not be able to overcome his mental health challenge Fine. By the way, that is fine. That's called life. There's a man under the bridge with mental health challenges who, who will never overcome his mental health challenges. Why are you special? Because you, you can kick a football. And I love sportsmen. I, I give them reverence far beyond their station. I do. So I defend sportsmen. But I'm, I'm no, what do they say in London? I'm not a mug. Yeah, defending millionaires. Jaden Sancho, what a loser. What a loser, dude. Like, let's call it out. What a loser. Oh, my goodness. Then the next one, by the way, who we need to keep an eye on is Marcus Rashford because he's starting to whinge a lot. And he's getting that whingy body posture. Nobody said sign for £300,000 a week, Marcus, and become the face of Man United. I don't want to hear about being stressed out. This is your job. If you don't want it anymore, cancel the contract and go work at the post office. The, The amount of whinging of abuse on social media. Please. Like, I'm a small deal. The amount of racist abuse and abuse I get on social media, and now I don't even want to know what those guys are getting. But please, everyone gets abused. Marcus Rashford, shut up and play football. Like, seriously, cut the BS. And Dane Sancho, loser. That, that, that's my thoughts. I'd love to know what people think. MKT inspires. MKT at the MKT show. So, I, I want to go to this. Um, Chelsea are apparently in crisis. Obviously, they lost to Middlesbrough, hysterical, in the first leg of the League Cup. And everyone's telling me it's been a crisis. Chelsea are falling apart. They're awful. And I said, okay, well, let's go and crisis compared to who? So I thought, okay, what's a reasonable way to look at things? 
I always say your character is your repeated behavior. So I said, okay, let's take a snapshot of the last decade. Because if you're going to say Chelsea are in crisis, it's a disaster. Let's compare them to their contemporaries over the last decade. Arsenal over the last decade have, have won four FA Cups. Liverpool in the last decade have won a league title, an FA Cup, a League Cup, and a Champions League. All right? Man United in the last decade have won an FA Cup, two League Cups, and a Europa League. Man City have won six EPL titles, two FA Cups, six League Cups, and a Champions League. Chelsea have won two League titles, an FA Cup, a League Cup, a Europa League, and a Champions League title. So they've also been to four titles in the last uh, three years, thanks to Thomas Tuchel. So the only team in the last decade that should dare look at Chelsea, should, like, should dare look at Chelsea, are Man City. We're talking about the second greatest dynasty the English Premier League's ever seen. And it's really, again, much like Man United, it was Fergie's United, it is Pep's Man City. Also, don't forget, the owner got politically frozen out. And the assets of the club were frozen. That's 18 months ago. Remember, they sold the entire Champions League winning team. They bought in 22 players in 18 months. It's the youngest average age squad in the English Premier League. I'm not making excuses for Chelsea, but if we're going to say disaster, we must compare to what? Over the last decade, Chelsea are the second most successful team in England. I don't know what this disaster is. Like... And I'm not just saying that as a Chelsea fan. Arsenal have not won a title in 20 years. Liverpool have won in 30 years. Man United are going to go 11 years without a title. Chelsea have two in that time. League titles. Three years ago, Chelsea won the Champions League. The big time. The big one. The one of the big years. I don't know so much about... Disaster. The context is Roman Abramovich left. It is that was a crisis. There was a flash sale. They made some mistakes, and then there was also a brain drain. Marina's gone. You know, uh, Bruce Buck is gone. Peter Cech is gone. That turnaround was tumultuous. They made the mistake with Graham Potter. It's okay. It happens. People make mistakes. If you're a Man United fan, <laughs> if you're an Arsenal fan. Remember, this is the fourth manager you've had now. Good evening. Some might say it's working out a little bit better at Aston Villa. But Arsenal are on their third manager, post Wenger. Man United are on their fifth manager, post Sir Alex, in a decade. So making one mistake with a manager is okay. Chelsea made one mistake with a manager. What Chelsea want to avoid is what Man United, Arsenal, and Liverpool did. You can't go a decade without a title or a Champions League. You can't do that. You just cannot do that. That's what you want to avoid. That's when you should start worrying. When you get to a decade without a league title, a decade without a Champions League title, then you start to worry about crisis. 
But Chelsea are fine. They're in the mix. They're always in the mix. It's a down year. It happens. And people say, oh, you spent a billion. But there's a context for spending that billion. They had to turn over a squad where Marina made huge mistakes. And they had to get rid of... I mean, they had to get rid of those players. They sold that entire Champions League team. In one window. It's not how football works, folks. You can't. You just can't turn over like that. It's not football manager. It's not. It's not FIFA. These are human beings. They got to get to know each other. What you don't want to be is Man United, Arsenal, Liverpool. Liverpool went thirty years, Arsenal twenty years, United eleven years without a title. You do not want to be that. But you don't want to do the most important thing. The most important thing. Right. And here's the one you don't want to be Liverpool, Arsenal, or Man United about. You don't want to have poor talent on the field. And Chelsea have addressed that. I, I don't think anybody, and I think the reason why people are so outraged at Chelsea is it's clear the talent is there. It's not just money spent. The talent is there. They've bought properly. The most important thing in the world is you've got to have the best players. You can't make bad players. The great Jimmy Johnson, former uh, Dallas Cowboys coach, said, it's very difficult to make good players. <laughs> also, it's difficult to make bad players good. You can't do that. So Chelsea have talent. They've taken care of essentially the most important thing if you want to win football matches. Get the talent right. Whether they've got the talent mixed right is a different question. But get the talent right. The other thing that people need to be realistic about, and I've shown you with the numbers, you're in the middle of an unstoppable dynasty. When Pep Guardiola leaves, what Chelsea are now best placed to take over from them. They've got the, the best young talent from around the world in-house. What you don't want to be when Pep leaves is not ready, unstable. Mauricio Pochettino is 20 league matches into his reign. Arteta is five years in. He came eighth twice in a row. Pep is eight years in. Jurgen Klopp has one title in nine years. People treat Jurgen Klopp like he's Alex Ferguson or Jose Mourinho. He's got one title in nine years. Klopp's first three seasons, in that first season, he, he had 30 games, by the way. Brendan Rodgers was fired um, after eight games. He came eighth, then he came fourth, and then he came fourth. That was Klopp's first three seasons. Remember, Arteta came eighth twice in a row in two full seasons, by the way. Although he took over in December, but his first two seasons he came eighth. Remember that. Arteta is in year five now, and he's starting to come top four. Listen, what you don't want to be as Chelsea as well, is you don't want to be the place that's seen as unstable. Because elite people, now more than ever, there's more money in football than ever. Nobody wants to work at an unstable place. Maurizio Pochettino's role, as Mark Hughes' role was in Man City, is to build a steely culture. This is phase one of Todd Bully's reign. Right, he listen, Graham Potter may have worked if he was two or three managers down the road. Because what he is is icing, 
Grand Pot is more icing. He's like, there's nothing tough about him. Like Maurizio Pochettino, you can see. And listen, as a player, let me tell you the story about Maurizio Pochettino. In the Argentina's Argentina team, from 92 to 98, you know what Maurizio Pochettino's job was? It was to look after Diego Maradona. That's how much of a leader he was. True story, by the way. Go and look that up. Pochettino's job was to look after Diego Maradona. Nights out, room with him. Like, this is the kind of guy, this is how highly he was regarded. And you can see Poch, if you don't know the player, by the way, a brutal, a bruising midfielder who could play uh, centre-back as well. As, as some player, by the way, Pochettino. Like some high-end, worldy player. Roy Ke- Think of a Roy Keane, Diego Simeone, steel in the midfield, like proper Silky with the ball at his feet, but proper player and tough guy. Like Pochettino is a tough guy. You you see it. You see it when he talks. He may not be Pep Guardiola as a coach, but what he will instill is toughness. And Chelsea lack that right now. You can see that. He's the perfect guy for this phase. There's no need to fire him. Jurgen Klopp, I'll repeat, first three seasons, eighth, fourth, and fourth. He has one title in nine years. Maurizio Pochettino at least needs two to three years just so we can see what he's about. And to give this place some shape, there is no culture at Chelsea right now. They're surviving off the fumes of a great dynastic owner, the Roman Empire. But these new guys have gotten rid of all of that. There's been a brain drain and that matters, by the way. Greatness is impossible to replicate. Chelsea and Bruce Buck had probably the greatest, along with Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, the greatest football administrator in European football for the last two decades. They, uh, listen, now, Man United will say David Gill. David Gill is the greatest of all time. But he's been gone for a decade. And even when he left, Fergie started to wobble. Remember that. So, okay, David Gill's an anomaly. But Bruce Buck, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, David Gill, you're talking about the triumphant of all triumphants, right? That, that triumphant is, that's it. When you talk about football administration, that's the high end. Those are the, those are the golden children. So brain drain matters. Greatness doesn't just happen by mistake. Greatness is repeated behavior. And it's impossible to replicate. If you don't believe me, right? Ask Arsenal fans. Ask Man United fans. Ask them what happened when Alex Ferguson left. Ask them what happened when Arsene Wenger left. When greatness leaves, by the way, people think, oh, but he made it look so easy. Ask the Chicago Bulls what happened when Michael Jordan left. Ask Miami what happened when LeBron left. Cleveland, what happened when LeBron left? Ask them. It's the same building. The dimensions of the football pitch hasn't changed, have they? At Old Trafford, have the dimensions of Old Trafford changed? Has the badge changed? I don't think so. But when Fergie was there, that's the thing. When you've got greatness in-house. The thing about greatness is it's not contagious. That's, that's the other thing. A lot of people think, oh, I coached with. Because David Moyes was Scottish as well. He's Scottish. Right, wasn't he? 
Coached in the league. He, good friends with Fergie. He's a Glaswegian lad. People thought it was contagious. Arsenal fans, talk to me. You know what it is. You know what it is. It's been 20 years. 20 years. Arsenal Vega left. It was, it's never been the same. Even now, Mikel Arteta is not the same. Much nicer stadium. More money. One of the richest human beings in the world is your owner. Can't win. Can't win. Because greatness is not contagious. Since Carlo Ancelotti left man uh, AC Milan. You tell me. You tell me. Chelsea don't want to be that. You don't want to be Man United. You don't want to be Arsenal. You don't want to be Liverpool of the last 30 years. You, that's not what you want. You don't want to be devoid of talent, right? And then go a decade without winning the league. Or the Champions League. And Chelsea are nowhere near that. So don't worry about that. There's a context for the current flux. The billion was necessary in the current market to refresh the talent levels, by the way. Because those had fallen as well. You had Christian Pulisic. I mean, get out of here as the star player. Get that out of here. Get that out of here. Kai Havertz, get that out of here. You see what it is. There is no crisis. Chelsea need to stabilize over the next three years. That's what Man City did. Right? That's what Arsenal did. That's what uh, Liverpool, it took them three, four years. Remember, year five is only when it popped for Liverpool. And then he won the league. Pep Guardiola took two seasons. But listen, he was coming into the, the best run sporting institution in the world right now. Man City are the, they are the platinum standard in the world of sport. Chelsea are not in crisis. They've just turned over a squad and had a guy frozen out because of a war. It's fine. It's fine. It's not a disaster. A disaster is being Man United. 10 years without a title and no talent. Arsenal, 20 years without a title and, and being happy about coming second. That's not what you want to be. That's not Chelsea. what Chelsea want to be. But the most important thing is don't be devoid of talent. And Chelsea don't have that problem. And nobody is poised to pounce once Pep leaves like Chelsea. They've got all the talent in the house. What are Man United going to do? Go and, go and get more talent? There isn't more talent. It's all at Man. It's all at PSG, at Man City, or at Chelsea right now. The next wave of talent is at Chelsea. It's at Man City, right? Phil Foden isn't. There isn't another Phil Foden. There just isn't. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Like Newcastle, they're starting to find out there's limited great players. Chelsea are not in a crisis. They're just turning things over, and they need to stabilize. Love to hear your thoughts at MKT. Inspires. All right, to finish off quickly with the mailbag, I got a question and I was interacting with a female listener. So she said, I mustn't say her name. But essentially said, hey, MKT, how come you... So she said, are you single? I said, yes, I am. I said, you know, I don't do the DM slide anymore for the Dutch relationship, which is what I... I, I don't know what relationship is in German. But I would imagine they say Dutch and then... Something like relationship. So she said, what are you looking for in a partner? And I said, oh, good question. So I said, number one, you got to be attractive. Like, you know, what are we talking about here? I mean, I'm no oil painting, but I guess it's what's 
unfair about being a woman. You've got to be physically attractive to me. By the way, we all like different things. But I said to her, here's the truth. I have, over the last five years, seen myself being more attractive to the kinds of women I like because I, I made a conscious decision not to chase what I want. And this is through reading, by the way. I'm not like some wise sage. Like I've read a lot. But about five, I say five years ago, it could be a bit more than that. I, I made some decisions. It's like, okay, what kind of person do I want to be? And I was raised by a father. So my father used to say, he, my father's an engineer, and he said he doesn't like he doesn't like rules really through leadership. And my dad's got he's always, I mean he's always working corporate, but he's got his own stuff going on. But he said part of leadership for him. I remember him saying this all the time, and he even treated us like this. So you have to have you don't have too many rules. The problem with too many rules, my father used to say, is you have to stick to them. So my father used to say, five rules maximum. You don't even need five rules. If your rules are good enough, you can have three. But he, he used to give us rules of five, and he used to he used to make us come up with our own rules for our own chores, etc., etc. And the thing about those rules is that they should be so high quality that they should cover the whole spectrum of process. And my, my dad's a big process guy. He loves building. He's an engineer. If you know an engineer, they, they just love building processes. So here's the five things I've tried to do. So instead of chasing people, and, and it has worked for me, by the way. Over the last five years, I've, I've attracted the level of person I've wanted in my life. F- from the female side of things. From, and not necessarily romantic, I'm not a romantic, but just you, you, you know what I'm saying. I've attracted the kinds of women I've wanted Listen, it's never been like it's been over the last two years, but certainly over the last five years. But the last two years has been hysterical. But it's not because, again, I'm not an oil painting. I'm not like the best looking guy in the world. I'm very honest about that. Got a bit of personality. But here's the things I'm, I'm hyper-conscious about working on. Because my thing is, I'm not interested in going chasing. I want to be the person that I would want in another person. Right? That, that's my thing. I'm, I'm really, really big on that. And one of the things, and this is why it's so important for me, I think, as I get older, I take it quite seriously how parents think about their children. Because as I get older, I think about what formed me. And one of the things I will never forget about my father is he, he never expected, and he, and he could say this because he was real with it. He said, he said to me, I will never expect something of you that I won't expect of myself. So my father would he would tell you to be disciplined because he was disciplined so it was easy for him to say it. My father would never, he will never expect of you what he wouldn't of himself. And, and I'm trying to get there. I'm not there yet. But I want to be the person where I don't expect you to do something that I wouldn't do. But here's the five things because this is how I was raised, five rules. You don't need more than that. If you've got more than that, the human mind can't really deal with more than five rules from what I've, I've experienced. So here's what I've been trying to be over the last, I'd say decade, but properly over the last five years. Number one is to be consistent. This is the most important thing to me that I want to be. I want to be as consistent as possible across the board. Emotional consistency, uh, you know, behavioral consistency, wake up at the same time, go to bed at the same time, and the little things matter. The little things do matter. I do the same thing every day. I eat basically the same meal every day. I just, I dream of being like a machine. 
I treat my body like a machine, my brain like a machine. Be consistent. Number two, be healthy. It's non-negotiable. And that's across the spectrum. Be fit. Be physically fit. Be mentally tough. Right? Don't give yourself a break. Set high standards. Learn how to set goals. Learn how to achieve these goals. Learn how to repeat that behavior. Learn how to repeat positive behavior. Because that's healthy. That's part of health, by the way. To be healthy. right? You, like I've got to be healthy. I, I, because part of being healthy for me is I want to give people the best version of myself. In particular, myself. I want to give myself the best version of myself. But then my family and my friends, etc., etc. And the best version of yourself is the healthiest version of yourself. Don't BS yourself by, I'm just a big body person or whatever. It's nonsense. If you're a big body dude, big body lady, get in the gym and get as strong as possible. I tell everyone that who will listen. If you've never been the fittest you can be or the strongest you, you can be, you're denying yourself a part of yourself that you can't replicate anywhere else. If you've never known pure, raw physical strength or like unbelievable stamina, like your peak physique, you, you've never given yourself the best version of yourself and you, you've never been... You've never given your family the best version of yourself. You're talking to somebody who did it for a decade. I was a loser for a decade, if not more. And I still am not where I want to be. But I do feel like last year was my best year and I'm in incredible mental and physical condition. And part of being healthy is you can't be selfish. Eh? I think if you, once you get healthy, you can give more, right? Like healthy people are just more present in your, like, you, you know, with your friends, like some people are just drowsy and low energy. And I'm not talking about being body perfect. That's not what I'm talking about. Like, it's not a body shaming thing, but, but you know, deep down inside, like, you know what it is. I don't, I don't have to say it. And listen, I will fat shame. I, like, I'm not scared, but, but that's not what this is about. Being healthy is way more important than a six pack. That's not what I'm talking about. Developing healthy habits to become a healthy person is important for me. Number three, be reliable. I wasn't reliable for a long time, and it showed in my in in this particular capacity. Being reliable is sounds silly. It's the number one trait in the world. I'll let you go and figure out what being reliable means, but it's something I work on all the time. I want to be reliable. I want to, you, you know. I'm currently seeing somebody who's a mentor. And he says to me, he says, Kaya. So he's a, he's a closer guy. He calls me Kaya. He says, Kaya, the, the decisions about your career and the trajectory of your career will be made when you're not in the room. People judge that off behavior, not what you say. Be reliable. If you say you're going to be here at 9.30, be at 9.30. Be at 9. Don't go where you shouldn't go. Don't do what you shouldn't do. Be reliable. Don't make excuses. Nobody cares. Let me tell you something that I've noticed about women. They don't care about your excuses. Right? That's all you're talking about. Like the level of women I'm interested in, they're not interested in your excuses. And I can extrapolate that to life. Nobody cares about your excuses. Nobody, nobody cares about your excuses. Be reliable. Everyone has excuses. 
High level people don't. And we're not asking for perfect. We're asking for consistent. Remember, I said number one was consistent. Be reliable. And don't don't talk about being reliable. First start, do you wake up at the time you say you're going to wake up? Start with yourself. There's easy ways to measure yourself. Just do the things you say you're going to do. It's not that hard. So forget about people at work. Like, if you say you're going to clean your house every Sunday, clean your house every Sunday. If you're going to do washing on Saturdays, do your washing on Saturday. If you're going to go for a walk on Saturday morning, stop going out on Friday nights. So forget about other people. You have to be reliable to yourself. Number four, this is one I, I, I still have to work on. I want to be kind. I, I'm much kinder now to people than I was three years ago, I would say. And being kind isn't just letting people do what they want. That's not, that's not what I mean by kind. Right? Is I have standards for people. I have standards for myself. And again, all of these rules pour into each other. Right? I, I've thought about these really hard. I will not ask of you. That which I won't ask of myself. So being kind is holding people's standards. Having boundaries. Like the, this is kindness, right? Having, th- there's nothing more important than having expectations for people. If you've been lonely before, the loneliest feeling in the world is when nobody had expectations for me in life because I'd screwed up so much. I don't want that for anyone. What you don't want, what I don't want in life, what you don't want in life is people having no expectations for you. That is a kick in the gut sack. That's a kick in the dick, as they say in America. That's a proper kick in the dick. There's nothing worse than people not having expectations for you. You can agree or disagree. I'm speaking through my life experiences. When, when my family had no expectations for me. Ugh. Deep down inside, that killed me. I want people to have expectations of me. I want people to rely on me. I want that. I want that privilege. I want it. So I want to be that guy, right? And I believe that's a part of kindness. And part of the, the, the kindest thing you can do, my mother used to say to me, the most kind thing you can do to anybody. It's okay to hurt people's feelings, by the way. The kindest thing you can do is be honest. And that's something I, I, I want to work on more and more. Just be honest. Don't waste people's time. I, I like to think I'm an honest dude now. And I'm working on that. That's a, that's a lifelong it's a lifelong journey. The kindest thing you can do for anyone is be honest with them. Don't waste people's time. That's the one thing they can't get back. The kindest thing you can do is respect people's time. It's why I say don't be late. You can't be a kind person and be late. I'm sorry. So number four is kind. Number five is one which I know I'm, I, I know I'm excelling at right now. Be productive. Be productive. You know, the great Nick Saban has a beautiful speech. I haven't seen in years, but in a, in a world of infinite possibility, what it feels like uh, in this day and age, people think they can do anything. And one thing I've said to people constantly is you can't. It's an illusion. It's nonsense. You can't do anything. Because if you want to do something well, the only thing that matters is getting it done. And if you want to do 25 things, you'll never do anything well. You, you'll never be productive. Right? Learn to be disciplined. Learn to deny yourself those things 
that don't make you productive. If you want to work at Standard Bank, learn how banks work. Stop worrying about having the, the, the flashiest watch. Stop worrying about what women think about your car. You, you, know, you don't get paid to know about cars if you run the Forex desk at Standard Bank. Learn to be productive. And it's difficult because discipline is painful. It's painful. Take it from somebody who's disciplined. It's painful. You think I don't want to go out on Mondays and muck about. Of course I do. Of course I do. But all enjoyment is directly correlated to how much you can deny yourself that, that thing. And this idea that doing what you want is freedom, it's nonsense, it's anarchy. There's an there is an illusion now of people just, I want to do what I want, I want to be free. What's freedom? What is that? What does that mean? You can only be free if you're disciplined. Eliwood Kipchoge said that. You cannot be free if you're not disciplined. Because he says, he's got a beautiful way of articulating it. If you are undisciplined, you are a slave to your whims. Only the discipline can be free. And I couldn't agree with him more. Discipline is freedom. Financial discipline is freedom. I've learned that last five years. My life changed. The only way to be free is disciplined. And it's painful. Trust me. You have to deny yourself so many things. 90% of the things in the world. Deny yourself that. Eventually it becomes your character. Like it's not painful now. It's painful up front. The investment up front, two, three years. But I'm cool now. In order to enjoy anything, you have to deny yourself those things. And there's, there's an illusion. Uh, Nick Saban said it well. I think it, I think it might have been his first interview ever, by the way, as Alabama coach. He said, if you want to do something well, Right. The only thing that matters is getting it done. Not the million things that come from that. Can you just sit down and do the work? Because ultimately what you have to do is do what has to be done. What do you want to do? You, you, you want to be a chartered accountant? Well, then you've got to pass the bar. Or the exam, the board exam. Do you want to be a CEO of your company? Okay, well, for the next 15 years, you're going to work 20 hours a day, right? Uh, if you want to be the CEO of Sunlum, if you want to be the CEO of BlackRock, if you want to be the CEO of your family company, for the next 15 years, you're going to work 20 hours a day, and nobody cares about your excuses. Of those 20 hours a day, can you be productive? And we can measure that, by the way. I want to be a productive person. And generally for me, I measure that in work. The last 18 months has been the most productive year time of my life professionally. One, be consistent. Two, be healthy. Three, be reliable. Four, be kind. And five, being productive. That's what I'm working on as a person. I'm not perfect in any of those. I'm working on those. I'm a work in progress. I hope to work on those for the rest of my life. And I want to tell you, for the guys out there, if you listen to this and you're struggling with this, 
if you can just bring yourself, listen, those five things may not be what's important to you. Come up with your own five, 10, I don't care how you do it. What I can tell you is when it becomes a part of your character to display those things, right? You will attract the person you want because people can see it. People aren't idiots. Especially the level of person, the higher you go, the more they can spot the BS. Trust me. I've been the BS guy. Trust me. It doesn't work. I've been the BS guy who tries to shop at the top end of the market. <laughs> no, no, no. Those ladies go, no, 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 no. No, my boy. But I'll be honest, in the last couple of years, they're coming to me to find out what's going on. What's cutting there, my man? And I'm not a Casanova. Like, I am not the guy. I, I, I want to be completely honest with you. Like I told you, I don't, I don't, I don't ask people on dates. What is that? Forget that. I, I'm not, I will not do it, by the way. I will not do it. I will not do it. So boring. Like, is, is taking people hiking on a date? I guess that's something I do. I, I like to put people in those conditions because with me, if you, if you can't hang out in that lifestyle, it's not going to work anyway. So let's not waste each other's time. I, I don't like wasting time. Be consistent, be healthy, be reliable, be kind, be productive. One, consistent. Two, healthy. Three, reliable. Four, kind. And five, be productive. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is MKT. This has been the MKT Show. And for now, I am the hell. Adi. Thank you.